Well, two, two recent sermons that we heard here at Kingdom Life, we were told some very strong feelings about certain foods that people liked and did not, did not like. Our brother Timothy Trico told us that he loathes crab fat and dough and guava duff, and even when he's hungry, he wouldn't eat it. But he told us he loves cheesecake from Cheesecake Heaven, and he could eat two slices of it on a full stomach. And then our brother Clarence told us that he loves any kind of pie. He's never met a pie that he didn't love. And he said he had the evidence of that. <laughs> and I, I imagine that we all have our foods that we like and dislike, and if we were to ask, we would hear some pretty interesting um, information about us in terms of what we like, and we'll find that some things that some people like we don't like, and some things we like other people don't like. But I'm not going to ask you that question this morning. I want to ask you another question. I want to ask you what I would think is a far more important question, and you don't need to answer it out loud. Just answer it in your mind. And the question is this. What kind of people do you like? What kind of people do you like? Or to say it another way, what, what kind of people do you not like and that you treat differently from the people that you do like. And the truth is, we really don't need to answer it out loud. I think if we were observed, and we were seen in terms of how we interact with people, I think it would be pretty evident how we perhaps like or dislike various ones who we come into contact with. And it's a far more serious matter than the foods that we like and dislike. We, we can like certain foods and dislike certain foods without any moral consequence. But brothers and sisters, when we take that same kind of preference and we interact with people in that way, it's far more serious. And not only is it serious, it is sinful. And this morning, we come face to face with this particular practice, not just on a personal level, but we actually come face to face with this practice in the church. And we're continuing our sermon series in the letter of James, and we come to James chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 this morning. And if you've not turned there yet, please do so at this time. And I want to read those verses in our hearing. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing comes, also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, 
You sit here in a good place. While you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones, are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful this morning that we can gather in this place. We're grateful, Lord, for your saving work that makes it all possible. And we pray this moment that as we sit under the preaching of your word, that you would superintend every word that is spoken this morning and you would cause what you would have us to hear to be spoken and that you would give us all ears to hear. Help us to hear as we should. Help us to respond as we should. And would you use the preaching of your word this morning for the building of this church and for the glory of your great name. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, in this passage that we just read, James doesn't use the word that I've used, which is favoritism. James uses a different word. He uses the word partiality in the first verse. But in the sermon, I'm going to use the word favoritism because we understand favoritism more readily than we may understand partiality. And in this passage, James warns us in the strongest terms about showing favoritism in the church. And James warns us because favoritism among believers contradicts the gospel that we believe and proclaim. Favoritism contradicts, it undermines the gospel that we believe and that we proclaim. And so James strongly calls it out. He calls it out. And friends, there are some things that are so scandalous, it is almost as if they should be corrected privately. And this is one of those things. But James doesn't correct it privately. He corrects it publicly. He calls out this wrong treatment of people in a very public manner. And the reason is it should never happen in the church among God's people. And so how does James call out this sad and sinful practice of favoritism? Well, he does so in three ways. And first, 
He does it right up front, unconditionally, by prohibiting favoritism. He gets right to the point in verse 1. He says, my brothers show no partiality as you hold faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Now, since we've read the whole text, we know where James is going. We know that James is going to um, illustrate and he's going to talk about a particular kind of favoritism. But James 2 verse 1 stands on its own. James 2 verse 1 stands on its own as an unconditional prohibition against all kinds of favoritism. Notice again how he says that my brothers show no partiality as you hold faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. It's as if James is saying to us, if you want to show favoritism, go ahead and show it. But don't do it in the church. That's almost the import of what James is, is saying. He is not just saying, my brothers, don't show favoritism. He says, don't you do that as you hold faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you show distinctions in how you prefer or don't prefer or like or don't like people as you at the same time hold and profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. You know, sometimes we talk about how we shouldn't say the same thing in the same breath. It is as if James is saying to us, you should not do that in the same breath. Even as you hold yourself out to belong to Christ and to profess faith in him, you should not show favoritism. It is foreign. And remember that James is still addressing this whole issue of what is true religion? What is the kind of religion that transforms our lives and demonstrates that we have met the Savior? And he comes to this, and, and he is addressing it in the church. Not in a vacuum. I'm sure that James, as he wrote these words, those who were hearing it didn't say, oh, what is he talking about? No, James was hitting the nail on the head as he addressed this. Now, it is interesting, the word that is translated partiality in the English Standard Version, the NIV uses the word favoritism, but this word for partiality in the original, it means acceptance of the face. It means acceptance of the face. That's what partiality means. And it's kind of like a situation where you would say to someone, man, I was in this store today, and they treated me in this way. They treated me so poorly. They say, really? They, when I go there, they treat me well. You say, well, it must be your face. It must be, they must be treating you because of your face. It's that kind of way. Just on some cosmetic basis, we treat people differently. We accept some faces more readily than we accept other faces. We judge by accidentals. We judge by externals. And why is this so wrong? 
Well, the reason it is so wrong is Scripture is filled with examples telling us that the Lord shows no favoritism. The Lord does not play favorites. He is no respecter of persons. And therefore, when we claim to belong to him, we should seek to do the very same. Just imagine walking into the police barracks, you know, the one up on East Hill Street, and you were to see a group of officers sitting around, smoking marijuana, gambling, and doing all manner of wrong things. That would, be a, that would be a contradiction because these are individuals who have sworn to uphold the law. It is unbecoming of them to do things that are contrary to the law. That would be a scandal if that were to happen. And so among those who profess faith in Jesus Christ, if we demonstrate favoritism, that is as scandalous. That is as foreign to us, it should be as foreign to us, and our conduct as breaking the law should be foreign to those who are sworn to uphold the law. Brothers and sisters, favoritism misrepresents God because he shows no partiality. And again, what makes this favoritism that James is highlighting so alarming is that James is not addressing favoritism among God's people on a personal level. He is addressing it among God's people in the life of the church, in the life of the church gathered, in the life of the church worshiping God. And that's the overarching concern that James has. And why is it in particular, so egregious that favoritism is practiced in the church. Well, James explains why, beginning in verse 2, and he does so by giving us an illustration, which brings me to my second point, illustrating favoritism. James does this in verses 2 through 4. Let's consider again what he says. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand here or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And so the idea is you have two persons come in and they have different appearances. One appears to be rich by his jewelry and by his clothing. And the other appears to be poor by his shabby clothing. But although James gives us this illustration, I think we we need to hear what James is addressing. He's not just addressing favoritism between rich and poor, because really, that may not get to us. 
James may miss us. He may miss some of us. Because we may honestly say, you know, I don't make distinctions between rich and poor. Or he may miss us because in our context, we don't have the disparity in terms of wealth and poverty that would have been evident in his day. In our country, um, though we have very, very poor people, there's not a large uh, segment of them. Largely, we, we have this middle ground group, this middle class group, where it's hard to make the distinctions. And so we should not think for a moment that all James is addressing is this issue and saying to us, don't treat rich and poor people differently. All James is doing is James is using a particular illustration to make the point that he's making. James is addressing favoritism in general, and we see that in verse 1. He says, don't do it, and then now he's illustrating a particular kind of favoritism, which no doubt was relevant in his day. And it may be relevant in, in, in some particular ways for us this morning, but not necessarily. Because that's not the only way that we show favoritism. Sometimes we show favoritism based on a person's race or a person's complexion. We sometimes show favoritism based on nationality. We prefer some nationalities over other nationalities. We treat them differently. I remember being up at immigration um, a few years ago. I had reason to, to be there, and I had to wait um, for something. I, I just remember having to be seated. And so while I was seated, I watched people come and go, and I heard different accents, and I could recognize them, and I watched the difference in treatment, both in terms of nationalities and in terms of color of skin. I watched some who, before they came to the, to the window, the woman was pointing to them and telling them, don't come back, and she told them not to come back, and she doesn't know why they're coming back. And then others sometimes dressed a certain way or a certain skin color. Her tone went down. She said, yeah, just go around the corner, go upstairs, and you can ask Mrs. So-and-so. Sometimes we treat people differently based on hairstyle. There's some people, if they wear dreadlocks, we, we tend to think, well, a certain way about them, or they have a weave in, we tend to think a certain way of them. Why, why are you laughing? Are you discriminating against people? Are you discriminating against people with weaves? I touched a nerve. I touched a nerve, I'm being told. I didn't intend to touch a nerve. If I knew it was going to touch a nerve, I would not have used that. I could have used others. Sometimes it's people who wear tattoos or who have piercings. I guess that didn't touch a nerve. <laughs> or based on education uh, or disability. And the list goes on. We show favoritism in all kinds of cosmetic, meaningless ways. But we hold them up to mean so much. And we treat people made in God's image differently based on these 
preferences that we have established. And what's wrong with it? Well, James tells us in verse 4, he tells us by asking a question, he says, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? James is saying when you show favoritism, you act beside yourself. When you show favoritism, you establish a seat for yourself as a judge, and you sit, one who should be judged, you sit as a judge and determine criteria upon which you will prefer people or not prefer people. And really, he says, what you're doing is you're you're trying to play God to almost know the hearts of people, where you are weighing some more preferentially than you are others. And again, what is alarming about this is not just that it is done. What is alarming about this is that it is done in the church. It's done among the people of God. That should never be done. Again, James is not just saying, don't do this with poor people and rich people. He's saying to us, you should not show favoritism at all. And brothers and sisters, I encourage all of us to think about this. Where have we, in our personal approaches, in the community of believers, established particular criteria that we value people more or less favorably than we do others. We need to ask ourselves, do, do I show favoritism? And you know, some of it could be so, some of it can be very intentional and overt, and we could be aware that we're doing it, and some of it we could just do it almost in a cultural way. You know, Jews had this issue. And we see Peter, the Apostle Peter, he struggled with this through out a lot of his life in terms of the way he related to Gentiles. And we have this account in Acts 15 where he is having to defend how he went to Cornelius' house. And he says, he says to the, as he begins his speech, he says that when he went to Cornelius' house, he was able to perceive that God is no respecter of persons. As a matter of fact, that's the very thing that he told Cornelius when he got to his house. He said, I now see that God is no respecter of persons. And so, brothers and sisters, let us us think prayerfully this morning with the help of the Holy Spirit and ask, do I show favoritism in the church? Do I show favoritism among my brothers and sisters? Do I show favoritism in terms of who walks through the doors? And I understand the dynamics between male and female interactions, and perhaps if a male walks through the door who you don't know, there may be some reluctance as a female maybe to reach out. But what about um, a person of the same sex? Are we inclined more to reach out to particular people than we are to other people?
If our answer is, is, is yes, friends, we must confess that to God and we must say, God, would you help me? Would you help me not to practice favoritism at all, but in particular, that I would not protect it, that I would, I would not practice it in the church? We need to ask the Lord to help us to see the seriousness of it. The seriousness of it is really, in a sense, what we've done is we've elevated ourselves above God. We've done what God does not do. And that's the, that's the arrogance of it. The seat of judge belongs to one, belongs to the Lord, or nobody else. Showing favoritism is not a light matter. And that's why we see James in verses 5 through 7 condemning favoritism, which is my third and final point. James condemns favoritism. And look at how he does it in verses 5 through 7. Listen, my dear brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? James points out the evil of favoritism. Using this example between rich and poor, but again, not not limited to that. And he's saying, don't you see the evil of insulting and mistreating those whom God has chosen to come to faith in Christ and to inherit the kingdom of God? Now, if we're going to be gripped by what James is saying, it's important for us not to miss what are you saying? Some people come to this passage and they think what James is really doing is James is making the very error that he tells us not to do. James is not elevating poor people over rich people. He's not doing that at all. James is not saying that God has only called poor people and chosen poor people to be rich in faith. Look at how he says that again. Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. James is not saying that all poor people have been chosen by God to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom of God. He's not saying that at all. He is simply saying poor people are among those God has chosen to have faith in Christ and to inherit the kingdom of God. That's all he is saying. And he clearly is not saying that he isn't called any rich people. He's called both. And his point is, because God has called both, because God has called poor people, we see the poor person, for example, maybe walking right in here. That person is among the class of people whom God has called. He's called all kinds of people. All kinds of people without distinction. 
And that's the point that he is making. He is not making a distinction between rich and poor and putting up the rich and putting down the poor. The, the truth is that it is a hard issue, and you could have a poor person right now, and maybe in their circumstances they may be very humble, and their mouth may not be sharp, but give them money. Give them money. Give them power. And we would see them act like how some rich people act, and there are some poor people, you can give them money, you can give them power, and they would not act in sinful and un ungodly ways. As we see, some people with wealth and means are not the ones who are mistreating the poor and exploiting them as they're doing. James is simply making the point that God chooses those whom we discriminate against. Every single group that we would discriminate against, they are in the class of the kinds of people whom God calls to himself because he has no respect of persons. And so the person we don't gravitate towards, that kind of person God has chosen to be rich in faith in Christ and to inherit the kingdom of God, and they are our brothers and sisters, and we need to get used to that because we're going to spend eternity together with them. No doubt James was addressing a common practice that existed in his time where um, there was no doubt disparities, huge differences between the wealthy and the poor. And in those days, there weren't a whole lot of laws to protect people. And, and we've seen this even in our, in our lifetime. In our lifetime in this country, I mean, for example, you would not have wanted to have been a common laborer back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. We didn't have um, particular laws to protect people from working under harsh conditions, from um, being paid for the time that they put in, and a lot, of, a lot of protection. So those who were wealthy, if they were sinful, they would take advantage of that, even more so in, in James' day. And so the things that he is talking about, them dragging others before the court, because they had the means and the power. There's some poor people who, who didn't do that, but it, it's not that they didn't have the heart to do it, they didn't have the means to do it. And the same is true today. Friends, every single person, every human being, whatever their distinctions might be, is an individual who's made in the image and the likeness of God. And put aside the cosmetics, put aside the trappings on that, that are on them. You put it all aside, every single one of us is equal. We are needy people in need of the grace of God that only he can provide. And, and, th and that is what we are when all the cosmetic things are removed. If you want to see it in a, in a very vivid way, imagine the illustration that James gives us. The wealthy person 
and the poor person both laid out in front of you. What are they going to take? Is one going to go into the grave, richer or poor? No, they, they both go down. The verdict is true of all of us. We come into this world without anything, and we will leave this world without anything. And at the end of it all, we need the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, whoever we are. And we who have come to Christ are his ambassadors, and we are called to share the good news that Christ receives all kinds of people. He receives the vilest of sinner. And the gospel comes to all without exception, without distinction. That's the gospel we are called to bear. That's the gospel we are called to proclaim. And when we show favoritism, what we are in essence almost saying to people is the gospel that we have approves of that. But we know that, that it, it does not. When James says in these closing verses, he says, but you have dishonored the poor, are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you're called? You know what the point is that James is getting at to the bottom of all of that? He's saying your favoritism that you practice leads you nowhere. It doesn't gain for you what you hope it will gain. It doesn't benefit you. Because it is by evil thinking that you arrived at that place and it does not produce what you want it to produce. Why are you treating the rich person in a favorable manner? Maybe because of the subtle hope that they will benefit you. Or they will not drag you into court. And the point is that our favoritism always leaves us empty-handed. And that's the point that James is making. And so bottom line, James is pointing out that preferential treatment makes no sense and it would not benefit those who are extending it. And brothers and sisters, that's true for us as well. Preferential treatment leads us nowhere other than to be condemned in the strongest terms by the word of God and if we persist by God himself. And we misrepresent him. And, and the reason that this is, is so sad is because God has this alternative community that's supposed to be different from the world out there. And this stuff goes on in the world out there. It'll happen in the morning in workplaces. But it shouldn't in here. This is supposed to be the place where people come and they realize, I'm being treated differently in here than out there. You know, in the early church, there were slaves who led in the early church. In the church, they were treated differently from they were treated in society. It was, it was God's 
alternative society. It was God's society that communicated the way we should actually live. And brothers and sisters, whatever the distinction might be, whether it is skin color, whether it is nationality, whether it is hair style, whether it's cosmetics, whatever it is, friends, let us ensure by the grace of God that all those who are part of this community now and in the days ahead will be treated differently than they're treated in the world. Let those distinctions matter in the world. Let them not matter among us in terms of how we receive and how we relate to one another. I want to close by reminding us of some unflattering words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth that helps us to see the the folly of showing favoritism. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise, according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. And here's why. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. When we show favoritism, it's a kind of boasting. When we show favoritism, it's a kind of boasting because we elevate a particular attribute over other attributes. And it's an indication that we have forgotten who we are, and in particular, what we were when Christ called us. And Paul reminds us that we're not all that. He reminds us that God did not operate that way. And thank God he didn't. Because if he did operate that way, we had no hope. We would have had no hope. We would have been disqualified from the start. And so, brothers and sisters, may the Lord help us this morning to think long and hard about this issue of showing favoritism, in particular showing it in the church, and where we need to repent, let us repent. Let us ask God to help us to see it for what it is and to repent, remembering that he is no respecter of persons, and neither should we be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and pray that you would cause us to hear and respond as we should. And God, we know that we need your help to do both. We need your help to cause us to hear as we should. We need your help to help us to respond as we should. Would you work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. Let's stand for a closing song. Glory to your name. 
May all my days bring glory to your name. May all my days bring glory to your That all of our days will bring glory to your name. Lord, we pray that you would work in our hearts. Lord, we know that we need more than conviction. We need the power of your spirit to change. God, would you change our hearts? Lord, for some of us this morning, we are being faced with an issue that has been long-standing in our lives, where we have shown favoritism in particular ways between particular kinds of people. And I ask, Lord, today for the grace to cause that issue to be settled. Help us to recognize that people, when all their cosmetics are removed, are sinners in need of a Savior. No different from the rest of us. May we see them as such, and may we receive them as such, and may we be part of that alternative community where people will recognize that they are being treated in ways that are different and indeed better than the way they're treated in the world. So, Lord, would you do that among us, we pray. And now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.